McLean Prez, good morning again. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are working our way through Proverbs this summer. And so you just heard a few Proverbs read to you. Uh, the reason they came at you in, from different places in the book is that Proverbs is not arranged topically. So we're going ahead and doing that and taking a different topic each week. And as you've heard and, and probably picked up on along the way, we're talking about friendship today, which is a big theme in Proverbs. And the reason it's a big theme is because uh, Proverbs insists that if you want to grow in wisdom, that is, if you want to uh, live uh, the kind of life that God defines as good and beautiful and true, you have to do that with friends. You have to do that with friends. Um, and I'm not sure how much convincing of you I need to do with that, but I think along the way you'll see that the way that Proverbs defines defines friends uh, is worth considering, and uh, even this morning, we're going to spend some time thinking together about what Proverbs has to say about friends. Uh, because we're jumping around a decent amount, we're going to leave the, the screen up so you can uh, either find them in your Bible or on your phone, or you can just have them right in front of you. Uh, as we come to God's Word this morning, let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you that um, you give us your Word about things that matter in our lives, um, and uh, certainly the, the topic of friendship and our need for friends is something that we know all about. Some of us feel incredibly blessed even today coming into this place because we're going to see lots of friends, and that's good for our hearts. And others of us are really struggling to feel known and loved and, and honestly to have friends. Even if we've been in this church for a long time, we feel very much isolated and alone. And, and probably most of us are somewhere in between. And so, Lord, we pray that, that, that you would meet with us, and Holy Spirit, that you would teach us from this, your word, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. I want to tell you about two friends, uh, a man named Gabe and a man named Andy. They're both musicians in Nashville. They're around 45 years old. About 10 years ago, they met while they were on a tour together, playing music together. And they hit it off right away, as you tend to do with people who become your friends. And uh, when, the, when the tour was over, after about a month, they said, hey, I, we, we really need to hang out more. I really like hanging out with you, uh, which is a pretty gutsy thing for a guy to say at all. But they, you know, they went ahead and said it like, hey, do you want to be friends? And they said, yeah, let's be friends. But we have to do something to make sure that, that we you know, keep this friendship up. And it's not just like something we do every once in a while. And so they decided that they would establish a ritual. Once or twice a week, they, they lived about a mile and a half from each other. Um, they would text each other when it was time to leave and they would both leave their house and they would walk to a middle point between their two houses. And when they got within about five feet of each other, they would clap, they would snap, and then they would high five. Now, when they first started this ritual, they would do that and they'd kind of laugh about it and then they'd go shoot some hoops or they'd just go talk in the park or uh, have a short conversation. But you know, as, as life got a little more busy, they realized they didn't always have time for like a two-hour session together. So sometimes, literally, all they would do is they would text each other, it's time to leave, they would walk toward each other, and when they got within five feet of each other, they'd snap, they'd clap, and they'd high-five, and they'd just keep on walking. Now, part of the reason they did this is, is probably what you're thinking in your head, which is, what are people going to think who happen to be driving by at the precise moment they see two guys walking toward each other, you know, no look of recognition on their face, and as they approach each other, they snap, they clap, they high-five, and they keep walking. Like, what are you thinking if you witness that scene? You're probably thinking, 
what in the world is, is going on? Like, is this like a hidden camera show? What's going on? Um, but what Proverbs would say about that scene, what Proverbs would say you have just witnessed in that moment is wisdom. Wisdom, you hear it in that first proverb, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The walk with language there, that's metaphorical language. I'm just helping us again kind of back at, get back into the poetry mindset. Uh, that's a metaphor for doing life together or for walking through life together, for journeying through life together, both the ups and the downs. Walking with the wise makes you wise. Walking with fools makes you more likely to be a fool. This is the basic principle Proverbs lays out, not just in this verse, but in the verses we're looking at this morning and other places too. You can't live a wise life without friends. You can't go it alone. And we need to talk this morning about why that's the case. And to do that, I just want to answer three questions. First of all, what is a friend? I know. It's pretty basic, but we're going to talk about what is a friend, why we need friends, and how you make friends. What is a friend? Why you need friends? How you make friends? This is not Sesame Street, believe it or not, okay? I know it feels like that. You feel like I'm like about to do like an Elmo thing. That's, that's not... Now, that's not what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to talk about what Proverbs takes very, very seriously. And that is the need for friends in your life. First of all, what is a friend? Proverbs tells us two things. At least a, pro- a, a Proverbs-level friend is at least two things. First of all, it's a person who understands you, and it's a person who sticks with you. If I were to ask you, think of your best friend. Maybe it's someone you grew up with. Maybe it's someone you've only known for a few years. But probably the first thing you would say about this person is that this is a person who gets you. You can't completely explain it, but they just get you. They understand you. They know you. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, in his chapter on friendship, which is required reading for anyone who wants to learn about friendship, he talks about this. He says, the first conversation you have with your future friend future friend almost always goes the same way. You start talking about life, and you realize you have something in common, and you say to each other, you too? You think that too? You like that too? I thought I was the only person who thought that way, or liked that thing, or uh, had had that taste in this particular item. And that's the beginning of a friendship. It's the foundation of something in common. This person gets you. You just kinda finish each other's sentences. He actually thinks your jokes are funny. No one else does, but he thinks you're funny. She thinks you're clever, all of the rest, right? Someone who's your friend understands you, they get you. Now, Proverbs takes that one level deeper and says, it's not just common interest, it's not just like this person likes the same thing that you like, or you're in the same Facebook group, or you like the same sorts of music or whatever. That's part of it, but there's a deeper, deeper level of understanding, of knowledge. It's like someone knowing your heart, right? So someone who who doesn't do what's described in Proverbs 25.20. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Now again, we're still learning how to think with Proverbs, and here we have something that's like, what is going on here? What's singing songs to a heavy heart? Well, you know what this is like. This is somebody who is completely out of tune with where you are emotionally, and you're way down in the dumps, And this person is singing all kinds of happy songs to try to cheer you up. It's like not working, not appropriate, uh, not even close to what I need right now. And when someone does that and 
We've all experienced this. Uh, it's like someone taking your coat away on a cold winter's day. It's like, what are you doing? You're leaving me out in the cold. I'm freezing. Or someone who dumps vinegar on soda, acid on a base. It makes a big mess and it ruins both. But a friend doesn't do that. A friend is someone, we just sang a moment ago, who knows how to weep with you when it's time to weep with you and laugh with you when it's time to laugh with you and be serious with you when it's time to be serious with you and be lighthearted when it's time to be lighthearted. Someone who gets you at a deep level. So a friend understands you and a friend also sticks with you. So it's the person who knows you the best and kind of likes you anyway. And is willing to hang in there even when you're a liability. You know you're a liability sometimes? Even when you're high maintenance. Even even when you've messed up big time and their reputation is at stake for sticking with you through difficult things. A friend sticks with you. We have several Proverbs that talk about this. um, But Proverbs 17.17 tells us a friend loves at all times, all times, even inconvenient times. And a brother is born for adversity. A man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Something we have to appreciate about this are the distinctions that are being made. So um, notice in that second proverb um, in 1824, it's a man of many companions. So this is someone who has lots of acquaintances, um, someone who has lots of people in their life, which is probably most of us. Like Most of us have a lot of people in our lives at work and on the sidelines at the games and in our neighborhood and at the pool and and just people we've gotten to know over the years. Like just by necessity, we have lots of companions. But what's being described here is a friend. A friend is the person who shows up when no one else shows up. You've heard people say before like... um, I found out who my friends were. I found out who my real friends were that day. Well, they're probably not talking about the day they threw this awesome party at their house and everybody showed up, right? I mean, that's fine. I'm glad people showed up for your party. That's not actually what's what's meant by that statement. What's meant by that statement is this person showed up when no one else showed up. This person showed up at the hospital without me asking. This person showed up at my house when I needed this person to show up at my house. This person sticks with me in a way that's closer than even a brother. Uh, I was thinking about, um, this past week, I was thinking about um, the friendship between General Grant and General Sherman. If you've read anything about their friendship during the Civil War as we're, um, as we're marking the, the end of slavery in our country, thinking about two men who fought for that cause shoulder to shoulder. I mean, you know, Sherman really worked for Grant. They were very different people in terms of personality. Yes, they were fighting for the same cause, but they had their own issues, by the way. Like both men, one biographer put it this way, both men were damaged souls. Um, both men were, were haunted in many ways, rough and manly on the outside, but just kind of a big mess on the inside for all kinds of different reasons. Um, but over the years, they developed this friendship, and Grant even confided in Sherman his struggles with alcohol, and Sherman confided in, in Grant his struggles with just sort of being crazy and flying off the handle sometimes. And, um, and, and, they, just, and they had this relationship so much so um, that, um, that at one point, Sherman said about Grant, Grant stood by me when I was crazy, and I stood by him when he was drunk, and now we stand by each other. Now look, just to be clear, Proverbs doesn't promote getting drunk or crazy or both at the same time. That's not what I'm saying. What it does promote and celebrate 
are statements like this of true friendship. What is a friend? A friend understands you. A friend sticks with you. So why do we need friends? Well, the answer should be kind of obvious by now because you need people like that. I mean, you're thinking that right now. I could use some people like that in my life who, who, who get me. So here's the proposal that Proverbs makes. You need friends who get you. Like, who's not going to sign up for that? I'll take people who get me and understand me and stick with me despite what they find out about me. Sign me up. That's not all you need. Proverbs says that's not all you need. You just don't need people who are like, I totally get you. I'm, here. I'm with you no matter what. You need people who do some other stuff in the meantime for you and with you. Two things. They tell you the truth, even when it hurts, and they give you counsel. So a friend, a true friend, a Proverbs-level friend is someone who tells you the truth, even when it hurts. This is Proverbs 27, 5, that you see just down on the left side there. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Okay, notice the, the contrast here. Open rebuke is someone who's calling you out on your stuff because you're acting like an idiot or you're going down the wrong path or you're dating somebody who's not good for you or you're making bad decisions or you're flirting with temptation, whatever it is. It's someone who says, you need to stop doing that. And what it says here is it's better to do that than to hide your love, which is counterintuitive to us, isn't it? Because often our excuse for not confronting people we love with things that they're doing that are wrong is, I love this person too much. I don't want to hurt them. What you're really saying is, I love myself too much that I don't want to put myself out there and make this person mad at me because no one likes conflict. Well, a few of you do, but most people don't like conflict, <laughs> right? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. That's the first part. Second part, faithful are the wounds of a friend. There's a kind of wounding that is faithful and good and loving. Now, it's in the context of someone who gets you and sticks with you. Don't miss that. Not everybody has, you know, it's not open season on your life with anybody. You have to earn the right to speak the truth. You have to show up and understand and not sing songs to a heavy heart. But when you have that right, when you let someone in, a good friend speaks, tr speaks truth to you even when it hurts. That's much better, it says, than the, than the profuse kisses of an enemy. Anyone can flatter you and tell you how great you are. It happens all the time to me. Just kidding. Um, but, but friends actually tell you the truth. Um, second thing a friend does, a friend gives counsel. Okay, so it's not all just like, I mean, we can't have friends who are just like, you're terrible, you're terrible, you're terrible, you're terrible. You know, you, you need people who are saying that because they love you, but also who are willing to encourage you with what 27.9 calls earnest counsel. Top of the second column there, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. You have to understand the context here. So oil and perfume, some of us are like, I don't know why that's so valuable. Imagine you're living in the ancient world where things are really stinky and people are generally pretty stinky, right? They're not taking showers every day. They're not they're, they're not doing ax spray and everything else. Like, that just wasn't readily available. Uh, there wasn't indoor plumbing. All right, so you can imagine where all that stuff goes. The garbage, people aren't coming to haul the garbage. I mean, generally speaking, things kind of stink, right? Like, it's up close and personal stench 24-7. And so oil, perfume, fragrance is highly valuable. Think about the woman who broke the alabaster char jar and, and, and anointed Jesus with it. That was worth, what, like a year's wages or something like that. And here, what's being described in that way is earnest counsel. 
like a friend who says the right word at the right time because they know you, they're there for you, they love you, they listen to you, they tell you the truth, and they know what to say, how to say it. And what Proverbs is saying is, that is priceless. That's priceless. We need people in our lives who speak into our lives in these ways, right? Is this making sense to us? Are you thinking of people who have done this for you before? I hope you are. I hope God has blessed your life with people who, would, who, would, who are this for you and have spoken into your life in these ways. And yet, even as I describe all of these things, isn't it also true that Proverbs is making this sound a whole lot easier than it actually is? Because friendship, the kind of friendship that's being described here, is hard. So here's the proposal, right? Proverbs is saying to you, what you need in your life are friends, you know, not, not just family members. You need family, right? We need that. You know, not just professional colleagues. We need that. You need friends, friends who are going to tell you the truth and give you counsel and love you through life and are, are with you, stick closer than a brother. And the proposal is what you need in order to get wise, in order to be a wise person, is to have friends like that. And no one is going to just turn that down outright. No one's going to respond to that, you know, what I'd really prefer is just to kind of go through life on my own. Or what I'd really prefer to do is just surround myself with people who, you know, I, I know it's kind of a shallow relationship, here today, gone tomorrow. You know, we never really challenge each other or ask any, each other any hard questions. We're never really there for each other. But that's fine. I'm good on my own. I don't really need anybody else. No one's going to say that. But this is how we live. Many of us, this is how we live. And that's just... Studies and statistics will tell you that. They'll tell you that there are very few of us that have close friends. And that number continues to go down. If you look at the studies, at least among Americans, just to pick on us for a second, we have fewer close friends now than we had 30 years ago. And men, happy Father's Day, but we're the worst. We are the worst. And I think pastors might be the super worst. I don't really know. I haven't seen the stats on that, but... Men are, are not good at cultivating friendships like this. Why is that? Why is it we have such a wonderful proposal, men, women, and children, right here, on what it means to be a wise person, find friends like this, and we don't do it? Why don't we do it? Or why is it so hard to find friends like this, make friends and be friends like this? Well, we can think of some of the external factors, right? I mean, we are busy. Okay, everybody's busy but we kind of specialize in busy here. Uh, we are spread out geographically. It's hard to actually, you know, find one another. We're transient. We're mobile. Some of you are only here for like a few months for the summer. Some of you are here for a few years, and then you're off, and then some of us are here for a while, and then we're off, and then we're back again, right? So, you know, sometimes you make a friend, and that person leaves, and it's like, I don't want to do this all over again. This is exhausting, right? So we're a transient community, um, I think it's also true, uh, someone mentioned this to me, I think this is absolutely true, that it's not like we don't have a lot of relationships to maintain. We, we have a lot of relationships to maintain right now. So if you have family in the area, or even if you don't, like 
when you have time, you go and visit your family. You spend time with your family. Like I'm the last person on Father's Day to say, don't spend time with your family. Like we'll get to that week at some point. So there's family time. That's a priority. Uh, you know, we want to be there when the, you know, when the kids are playing t-ball and gymnastics and all the rest. It's important to be there. That fills up the schedule really fast. Um, at work, some of you do relationships for a living. You know, you're in sales, uh, marketing, or consulting, and like you're always meeting with people, doing mixers, traveling to meet other people, building networks. That's important. Like you need to do that. That's a lot of people time. And then, you know, some of us spend a lot of time on the sidelines watching sports, like a lot of time on the sideline watching sports. And that's social time. I mean, you have to band together against the referees. That takes a lot of coordination. Um, right? No, don't do that. Please don't do that. But I mean, add it up. When you add it up, it's not like we're twiddling our thumbs, many of us, with nothing to do. Some of us, yes. Most of us, no. But I think there's a bigger reason why we actually don't have many friends like this, or we're not actually a friend like this to other people. I think the biggest reason isn't outside of us. I think the biggest reason is inside of us. Inside. I think the biggest obstacle to deep friendships is right inside of us because the kinds of friends that are being described here are the kinds of friends that require vulnerability and we don't want to be vulnerable. Simply put, transparency isn't always fun. I'll give you an example. This past week, uh, I went into the dermatologist. I have a, a little bump on my leg. If you have a doctor in the house, I'd love for you to take a quick look at that. But I went and had a, you know, had a dermatologist look at it. No big deal. All clear. That's good. I mean, I had a very, had a very manageable problem. It was a little bump. I just wanted to make sure. I'm getting up there in age. I just want to make sure everything's good. You know, he looked at it. He's like, everything's good. No problem. Whatever. He gave me some little thing to do. I'm like, great. And I'm packing up my stuff. And he says to me, would you like a full body skin check? And I was like, no, thank you, but no, no. And he said, well, you know, sir, we really recommend it for men over 40. Once a year, you get an annual, you know this, by the way, men over 40, people over 40, a full body skin check once you hit 40, and I'm, I passed a little while ago, and, and I'm like, okay, well, if it's your medical opinion, I suppose so. And he takes out a magnifying glass, <laughs> not kidding, and we're doing this for 10 minutes up and down my body. Yeah, I didn't sign up for that. I came to the doctor with a very specific problem that I was willing to divulge. I mean, it was embarrassing enough to like roll up my leg, I have this little thing on my leg, it's kind of weird, I don't really know what it is. That took some vulnerability, but it was manageable. It was manageable, it was measurable. I was happy for him to look at that and give me the all clear. I was willing to share that. I didn't want the full body check. See, I didn't, I didn't sign up, I didn't sign up for that. Most of us in relationships, we've got two or three little weird bumps in our life. And I'm like, I'd love for you to look at this and tell me what you think. Give me some counsel on that. Tell me the truth about that. But we don't want the full body life check. We don't want, like, we didn't sign up for that level of transparency. And yet that is what is required to be a friend and to have a friend. And think about it. How is someone going to tell you the truth if they don't know the whole story? How is someone going to give you earnest counsel if they don't really know what's going on with you? How do you know that someone is really going to stick with you if they don't really know who you are? 
And so what we do is we enter into relationships, and I'm not saying like first day, like full body check first day. Please understand what I'm saying. Like there, there needs to be some emotional IQ going on here and how we do this. But at some point with a friend, you say, I am willing to let you in on everything because I know you're not going to let me down. That's hard. So how do we make friends? Again, seems like a silly question. It seems like we're a little too old to talk about this out loud, but let's just talk about how we make a friend, (laughs) especially when we are so guarded with our lives, many of us, because we've been burned maybe, or simply because we don't want to run the risk of being known. Well, before we dismiss that question outright, let's remember something that Jesus said And this is coming at a critical point in his life. He's just washed his disciples' feet. He's going to be arrested later that night. He's going to be crucified the next day. He's having this long conversation with his disciples called the Upper Room Discourse, technical sort of name for it among biblical scholars. You can find it in the the Gospel of John, chapters 13 and following. I'm thinking of John chapter 15. And in John chapter 15, Jesus looks at his disciples, 11 at this point, and he says to them, I've given you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business, but I, I call you friends. Now, look, I've been a Christian for a relatively long time, and I can completely get my head around being Jesus' servant. I have no problem with that. I'm not sure I've completely grappled with the idea that Jesus actually chooses me as his friend. I mean, that's really the marvel of any friendship, isn't it? It's the fact that someone chooses you. Out of everybody in the world, this person chooses you. Family, they're kind of obligated to stick with you. They don't really have a choice. You know, work colleagues, there's financial incentive to work with you. They're not really choosing you either. But a friend, a friend says, I choose you, not just because I love you, because I like you. Jesus chooses us as friends, not just these men, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher called the cross, the greatest act of friendship the world has ever seen. When Jesus gives himself completely for us. So how do we make friends? I think we have to start here with recognizing this amazing truth of the gospel that sometimes that doesn't really work its way down into our hearts, that Jesus actually chooses you as a friend Because when that happens, when that begins to get down into your heart, it it actually begins to free you enough from your own insecurity and your own questions of your self-worth that you would actually be willing to put yourself out there. Because look, Jesus already knows all your stuff. Like that's, he already knows all of it. He knows all your stuff better than you know your stuff. What's two or three other people? Like you're not telling anybody anything Jesus doesn't already know. And Jesus has already said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I see all the way into you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. And that frees us to be able to be vulnerable with each other and to receive each other with that same measure 
of grace. So you start with Jesus, and you work your way out from there. I think for some of us, some of us are sitting here today, and today has been like a rehearsal of your life. Like every time I've been talking about characteristics of a friend, you've been thinking of different people in your life that God has given you who continue to love you this way. And the takeaway for you is be grateful. You know, a friend of mine likes to say that men don't write just thinking of you cards. Women do. I'll walk in and Heather be at the kitchen table. She'll be writing a note. She's like, having a cup of coffee, just thinking of you, friend. <laughs> you know, guys don't write that. You know, on the 18th hole, uh, just parred the 18th hole, thinking of you, love you, buddy. Like, guys don't write, I'm thinking of you, cars. It's just not the, way we, not the way we operate. But all of us need to learn in our own way to be grateful. Jesus tells his friends they are his friends. We need to tell our friends that we are grateful for their friendship. And we need to be intentional. Like I just said a second ago, our lives are nutty. They're crazy, and they are. So you need to schedule time with friends. That's why I started with that story about Andy and Gabe. It's kind of a silly idea of them high-fiving and, and that little ritual, but it was something they scheduled and they committed to, and they've been doing it for eight years. So you got to be intentional. And for those of us who are like, well, you know, I'm trying. It's really hard for me to make friends right now. And I, we've all been there. Every season of life has challenges of connecting with people. Every season of life. Junior high, yeah, no duh. But like after college, that's tough. You know, uh, if you're married, after you have kids, that's tough. When you're retired, that's tough. just like it, it never ends. This, this work of cultivating friendship is always a challenge. And we need to be intentional. Put ourselves out there a little bit. One of the best ways Heather and I have learned to actually make friends in the church, uh, community groups, great, super, but actually serving has been one of the fastest way we make friends is by changing diapers together or doing VBS together or uh, ushering together or going on a mission trip. Like, you're going to find out really quickly when you're halfway around the world whether someone's going to be your friend or not. You'll probably figure it out in the first three hours. But we bond also when we are serving a common cause. So be grateful, be intentional, be encouraged. And lastly, let me just say this. This is something we need to pray about. That the Lord would give you friends like this. This is C.S. Lewis once again, and I love what he says here. He says, many of us think, and I just told you a second ago, you've chosen your friends, but he says, in reality, when you think about it, think how tenuous every relationship is in terms of the historical probability, right? So if you'd just grown up in a slightly different place in the town where you grew up, you wouldn't have met your best friend. If you'd gone to a different school, gone to a different college, taken a different job, happened not to bring up a certain topic in a conversation, think of all the contingencies that someone was lining up perfectly in order for you to be friends with this person. And C.S. Lewis goes on to say, uh, there is a secret master of ceremonies at work in every Christian's life. The same Jesus who said to his disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can also say to every Christian group of friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for being intentional with us through Christ, that through him we have not only a Savior, Redeemer, King, Lord, but we have a friend, one who truly sticks closer than a brother, one who says and means and makes good on the promise never to abandon, forsaken, or reject us. 
Father, help us in our struggles to be friends with one another, to do so more and more so that we might grow in wisdom. Help, Lord, those here who are just feeling very lonely. Lord, be that master of ceremony in their life that they might find friends they feel known by and loved by. And for those of us who have friends in those categories, help us to be more grateful and to see what's important in life, like love, friendship. Lord, we thank you for these good gifts. You have made us as deeply relational creatures. And we thank you, first of all, that you have renewed a relationship and reconciled us into relationship, but you've also brought us together and given us to one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.